Advertising your business with GCN is simple, effective, and more affordable than you might think. Visit advertise.gcnlive.com for more info. Take your business to the next level. Our Matrix server is about as free as Internet chat can be. Join the existing rooms or create your own at chat.freetalklive.com. Welcome to Liberty Conspiracy on Free Talk Live. I'm Dr. is the phone number here that's 603-283-6160 and with you in the studio tonight you've got me bonnie riley and nikki and we have some really interesting news to talk about tonight the president of argentina javier malay everybody is always criticizing him for being a world economic forum member and it's not a bad criticism i don't blame them and and i continue to be skeptical that javier malay is not maybe some kind of a fall guy on purpose and, but i don't i don't want to be negative it's just that i've never had a reason to be positive about a politician so yeah, yeah honestly i don't think any of us have i mean we've seen politicians lie to us before so yeah what's another one going to lie to us about but so he's a world economic forum member and People have often pointed that out like, oh my gosh, that's a really bad thing because those are really bad people for the most part. They're the people that came out with the idea of you will have nothing and you'll be happy. Their 2030 agenda. Yep, eating and, bugs. Yeah, and- generally the World Economic Forum types are these global elitists that want to fly around their private jets and tell you, hey, you got to reduce your carbon footprint while they fly around their private jets. Yep, those exact types and 15-minute city types, those yeah. types of people that just want you to rent everything from the government in the future and own nothing. But Javier Malay, right before going in to speak, there was somebody in Spanish asking him, so what's your game plan for today? And he was like, I'm going to confront these people about their 2030 agenda. I'm, and, su- I'm yeah. surprised they invited him. Well, he's a member. So maybe they just didn't know how radical he was and he became president and now he's like letting loose. Oh, maybe. And I listened to the whole speech today and there was nothing to criticize. It was really good. Yeah. It's like at this point, it's just words, but really good words. And I'm not saying that it will necessarily change the people, the World Economic Forum people's minds or something, but it's great that this is getting out there on such a big platform. These really good ideas. You got to started somewhere and if he's spouting the ideas of liberty on a public platform like with the world economic forum then someone's going to listen he's also been doing a lot of stuff oh absolutely yeah he what he slashed um i don't even remember how many like nine out of 21 yeah departments so so, in that government that's rare that any politician will kind of keep to their campaign promises and really do anything at all and and also i think a lot of like i I obviously know more about U.S. politics, so I guess I'll use that as an example. But it's not always so easy for a president to go into office and make these huge changes because there's Congress and Senate and then there's other like checks and balances that can kind of, you know, ruin any chances that they have to make things better. And that's why things just stay stagnant and take a really long time well, that, for us to or see Or they change. never actually wanted to do anything. Yeah, of those or they're liars. They which just is, say, oh, I can't because of Congress. Like Trump had a Republican yeah. Congress when he that's true. got oh, yeah, elected he and he just didn't do anything. But you're right. Uh, this guy, he's actually doing things. He's gotten rid of nine out of 21 government departments. And then he's fired thousands of government workers. Yeah. And he is serious about what he's saying. And part of what he is saying is that there's a parasite class. They want us to be socialists. And the main or the large majority of the people in each country that does that will suffer. And 
that's what he's talking about in this speech. Yeah. Just really quickly, I want to touch on something that you just said about him firing thousands of government workers. That might sound mean to some people, especially like socialist, communist types or statist type people. Um, but you have to realize Argentina, the economy was in dire straits. Oh, yeah. They could not afford to be paying these people. To be unproductive. Exactly. And I'm sure most of their jobs, they weren't really doing anything to contribute Mm -hmm. to anyone else. It was just like wasted tax dollars like we see here in the United States. Yes. So it might sound like, oh, you're firing people? That's so mean. Sometimes people need to be fired and they need to get a a different job where they're more productive and they're actually providing value and not just getting paid off of stolen money. Well, I think as libertarians, we look at government as the parasite class because they exist. They exist based on theft of the people's money and mismanagement of people's money. But yet Javier Malay is... Like, I understand this is the people's money that I'm being paid with, so I want to make sure that they're getting a a good bang for their buck, so to speak. Yeah, you know? he certainly is a breath of fresh air. Yeah. One thing I haven't completely gotten an, a full understanding of, but somebody that is really following it and speaks Spanish that I know um, has told me about is that he has a one-year plan to get rid of the, their central bank. Cool. Oh, well, let's, let's see it. So I'm going to go into this article that Nikki brought just to explain to the people like what he was doing there. It says, Argentina's libertarian president Javier Malay has accused Western leaders of abandoning the values of the West in a high-profile address to the World Economic Forum, where his debut on the world stage met with warm applause. And, and when I was watching it, every time I showed them, they looked kind of uninteresting, uninterested and silent. I kind of didn't think it was... Like, maybe he just walked up on stage and they politely applauded, but I didn't think, like, oh, they love him. There was something that Matt pointed out when we watched it together, who's my husband and sometimes co-host of this show, um, that some of the people in the front row, or, like, some of the people in the audience that you could see had these, like, smug looks on their Mm -hmm. face, like, oh, haha, he's so cute, like, Mm -hmm. sure, when he, (laughs) after he gave his speech... Where he was essentially like, I mean, you'll get into it, but talking about them. how they're them being parasites and how there needs to be a complete, like everything they stand for is a bad idea, essentially. Yeah. Um, but they, yeah, they just had these like weird robotic smug looks on their faces. Yeah, I never saw them. I saw a lot like not even looking up. Anyways, I guess maybe they applauded when he walked on stage. Maybe. I mean, I guess so. That's what the article says. He said, I'm here to tell you that the Western world is in danger because those who are supposed to defend the values of the West have been co-opted by a vision of the world that inexorably leads to socialism and therefore to poverty. Millet told an audience in Davos on Wednesday. He said international organizations have been influenced by collectivism, radical feminism and a cruel environmental agenda. I didn't even notice the radical feminism part. It's just like, I don't know, just stick to your economic points. I don't know. It's not like I I'm, didn't hear him say anything about either. radical feminism yeah. in his um in the translated video that I watched. Me either. And I watched the whole But of course, thing. like I can't speak Spanish, so I don't know for certain which version of his words, his English translated words are, are true you know what i mean yeah uh, i wonder if true. the person writing this article is I wonder what their biases are exactly i mean most most media's biases are towards you know government and parasitic ideologies like socialism yep. i mean socialism for listeners who are unfamiliar socialism is this collectivist ideology where the community owns everything and you don't own your personal property anymore. You don't get a house. You don't get cars. It's owned by the community. So this is why I would oppose socialism, is, is that I don't want to have my stuff owned by a community. Well, it's not really owned by the, the community, right? It's kind of owned by the the people in power, the, the oh, ruling of class, it is. you know? But the, pe- the people in power are giving you this illusion. Oh, it's the community that owns everything. We're going to do democratic socialism and, and choose who our leaders are going to be and choose how we don't know how we, how we distribute things. No, it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just like, I, I can't um, do a control F on this 
um, where I like I Google translated it all um, from a translation or not a translation from a transcript of it in Spanish. So I have the whole thing here. Google translated into English. Just looking through it, I don't see the word feminist at all. That doesn't mean it's not there because I can't do a control F and like actually search through it right now from where it's on my page. Um, but I, I almost feel like they just made that up. I, I don't know. I listened to the whole thing today. Maybe there was... It just sounds irrelevant, like, right? Like, why? Right. What, what did feminism have to... I'm not a fan of, like, modern woke feminism. Neither. Um, to me, radical feminism is a different thing. Um, to me, radical feminism is the opposite of the modern woke feminism. It's more like going back to like traditional women, whatever. Hmm. Um, I just don't get what that has to do with economics, honestly. Yeah, I just think women should do... <laughs> I don't know. Just do whatever you want. Whatever like, they yeah. want. And like this idea that, oh, w- women doing blah, blah, blah has ruined our country when we have... You, I mean, you have hundreds of thousands of government workers to fire. That probably yeah. has more to do with it. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyways, uh, but I don't really know if he said that or not, and I don't see it here. I, I've, I've now went up and down like three times. Anyways, so, and I am going to post that somewhere. I don't know how I'm going to do it, um, but you can. I want to be able to post my little Google translated version of the whole thing. It was nine pages. So Well, that's a massive document. Right. I want to be able to post it somewhere, because it was, it was like... I think 25 minutes of like the whole uncut video. So it says that he said international organizations have been influenced by collectivism, radical feminism, and a cruel environmental agenda. Malay, a self-described anarcho-capitalist and former television pundit was elected on anti-establishment platforms in an an anti-establishment platform in November amid the troubled South American economy's worst crisis in two decades. The head of a large European buyout firm came out of the Congress hall impressed by Malay's speech. Ahead of the speech, Daniel Pinto, J.P. Morgan president and chief operating officer, said Argentina's new government may be creating a new beginning for the country, bringing an end to 80 years of economic deterioration. He warned of a tough year ahead. However, as Malay's plans require the population to be willing to go through the pain of austerity. So what he's doing, his whole like one year plan, um, he has to basically he's pumping money into the economy while like like especially the welfare programs. And that might sound oh, that doesn't sound very libertarian, but it's because he's giving them like a cushion as he makes basically makes the dollar die so or not the dollar the argentine peso oh interesting okay so he's kind of i don't exactly know how to explain it but he's kind of forcing the argentine dollar's death faster and cushioning the poorest of the poor Hmm. with welfare and then in a year from now it it should be all better because they should be dollarized and their central bank gone if the imf doesn't give them too hard of a time so, Malay's economic policies have also won initial support from the IMF, whose technical staff approved a dis- Im- disbursement of funds to Argentina last week, and whose deputy managing director, Gita Gopinath, told the Financial Times the new administration had moved boldly to correct several of the misalignments that are there in the economy. Malay's Davos appearance for his first overseas trip as president was his first chance to pitch his ultra-liberal version to vision to the global elite following his shock election victory. Malay on Wednesday said, The case of Argentina is an empirical demonstration that no matter how rich you may be or how much you may have in terms of natural resource, if measures are adopted that hinder the free function of markets, the only possible fate is poverty. It's so true because Argentina is a lush, beautiful, green place with oil and Mm -hmm. other things to mine and farm. And, you know, they've got their little coast to go around. I I feel like they have a lot of stuff. They have no reason to be impoverished like they are. Argentina sounds like a very resource rich place. And when it's, you know, poverty stricken because it's so poor, Mm -hmm. that just goes to show you that it's a corrupt government running things rather than a a healthy government or a government with checks and balances or a government that governs 
by empowering the people to succeed. Yeah, and in his to his point, they're hindering the f- function of free markets. Right. Yeah. And if people don't know what that means, socialism is when your markets are controlled. Oh, this this company is making too much money. We got to take some from them. Oh, you can't start this business because we already have one. Things like that. The government decides instead of the market deciding. And the government choose who chooses who wins and loses. Like if a, if a company is about to go out of business, the government will front them some money, which costs the taxpayers. Just things like that that, you know, the 2008 ca- crisis the the bailouts that happened with the banks in the 2008 yep. crisis in um, america oh yeah and the the stimulus plans that went and then, um, uh regarding javier malay well thank you uh, tim i know um, i'm sorry well javier malay uh he met at some point he converted to judaism and he met with a pro genocide rabbi uh involved in the uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly, Chabad Lubavitch um, organization, and people can look look more into that. Um, you know, I just I think this guy is really a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. And I Ooh, Javier Malay or the Rabbi? Uh, the Malay, Malay. Okay. Um, yep. I I don't know anything about this Rabbi. It's kind of hard to make really a judgment based on what you're telling me, but. There are plenty of reasons to think that a politician who won presidency could possibly be a sheep in wolf's, I mean, a wolf in sheep's clothing. And Most of them are. I don't. I don't blame you at all. Like I, I don't understand the type of libertarian that gets did because their hero is now Javier Malay. So yeah, the uh, speech that he had done. Um, you know, was was certainly uh, seemed like he's you know very pro freedom and pro free market and you know anti uh, parasite class, but you know he could just be lying and pandering. Go on, I, I know it's just words, but they were really good words. I, I wanted to talk right. about it all day yesterday. And that's how I generally felt about Ron Paul too. Um, you know, not that he had the level of power that Javier Malay had. I, you know, I guess I celebrate that a guy that says the things that Javier Malay says has reached status in what I don't think we could call anything but a first world nation. And I think it's delightful. Um, I don't know, like the, the Israeli-Palestinian thing, I find to be a very confusing situation. Um, you know, like I can, I can hear people make arguments on both sides and both of those uh, argument on both sides of those arguments make sense to me. But, uh, you know, do and none of these people, are you know jesus on earth to me yeah well there's different flavors of zionism and i don't want to i don't want to say that all zionism is necessarily bad um actually i I wanted to uh, discuss this when you were bringing up the uh i don't know what you call that that play the zeti the zeti that that you had lived in and i wanted to bring up the uh millet system under the ottoman empire and uh there was a time when the ottoman empire occupied what is now known as Israel slash Palestine. And there were Jews there going all the way back uh, to the expulsion, you know, to the destruction of the temple under the Romans. And uh, not all of them left. And so under each occupation, there were Jews, there were, you know, and then later there were Muslims and there were Christians and, and they they all kind of lived there uh, under different empires. Now the millet system was actually where the Ottoman empire after they had conquered all these regions, they allowed people, much like the Roman Empire uh, and also the Persians, they allowed people to kind of govern themselves. And so they allowed uh, the Jews have their own government, you know, the Christians have their own government, and Muslims have their own government. And a lot of people apparently converted to Islam to get out of paying taxes. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. As I understood it, that was uh, one of the reasons for doing it, is this has just got a lower tax bill. And, you know, I can't say that I wouldn't be interested in the uh, religion du jour that would give me a that lower tax bill, too. It's also something that Constantine did in the Roman Empire. Um, he wanted people to become Christians, and he would lower their, like, they would be exempt from certain tax-type things. So, yes, yeah, so that's, a, that's a strategy. I literally know of, like... 
10 different farmers in New York State that converted to Amish, hmm. quite literally, to not pay taxes. So the Amish actually have a um, lobby uh, where they're exempt from income tax. Mm-hmm. Yep. And also, well, it's certainly exempt from Social Security. I don't know uh, precisely on income. Definitely, definitely exempt from income tax, all that kind of stuff. So, like, if you're an Amish guy and you go to work for Walmart in upstate New York uh, and you tell them that you're old order Amish and you don't have a social security number, they write old order Amish where the social security number goes and they don't take out any uh, and, and, and any of the taxes. Uh, I've you know heard this from uh, multiple uh, Amish folks. And also, when it comes to property taxes, uh, New York has a thing called the STAR program. Which is for two, two, two classifications of people, Amish and uh, senior citizens, so over 65 years of age. And basically, the STAR program is you don't pay the whole portion or all of the school tax that's related to your property extortion. So like here in New Hampshire, uh, like I, I just talked to a guy the other day who lives down the road from me. He has a $25,000 a year property tax bill hopkinton yes. new hampshire and i went to his house it, it wasn't spectacular hmm. um you know uh it, like i mean it's nicer than my place why is it so high it's hopkinton it's just where uh, it is. It, it, oh he this guy's like he's like oh yeah i moved here for the free state project but i bought a house in the wrong town and he and he <laughs> was like, like he was kind of like that's crazy like keen isn't even that bad that's like five times what we pay for multiple properties yeah and 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 his neighbor pays like twenty eight thousand dollars and another neighbor's got like a little rinky shack and he's paying like fourteen thousand dollars technically he he was telling me it's the highest property tax in new hampshire um terrible research uh before he moved right 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 he well he moved out of new york city he had a plate he owned a condo in like on on fifth avenue or something that was a very high end very expensive that had you know very much expensive property taxes too but uh, anyways, uh, oh, so he, but he's like, yeah, 80% of his property tax goes towards the school uh, is because he's, this guy's like irate. He's doing a bunch of research and like 80% of that school tax quite literally goes towards funding the pension of the school administrators. So with Israel, <laughs> Tim, what you're trying to say, I don't know really what you're trying to get to. Were you trying to say, oh, well. People could have lived there peacefully together, or what were you trying to say about Israel? Well, yeah, so so there were private uh, individuals from Europe, and this actually goes back. Uh, let, let me come back to answer your question and just state the fact that I, I always thought that that to be a Jew, that it was some kind of like race or, or, or genetics, and, and maybe at one time it was from the 12 tribes, but over time, people converted and converted, um, but in the end, so if you want to hold, I'm just going to put you on hold. It's Free Talk Live, and 603-283-6160 is the number for you to get in on the conversation with us. Bring up whatever you want. It's Free Talk Live. More coming up. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. Do the letters IRS give you anxiety? I'm Dan Pilla. I've defended people from the IRS for more than 40 years. My book, How to Get Tax Amnesty, created the tax resolution industry and is responsible for helping hundreds of thousands of people. It can help you, too. If you're a non-filer or facing IRS enforcement right now, your case is unique. You need real help, not cookie-cutter advice. My clients get my personal attention. Buy my book at danpilla.com and get a free consultation directly with me. That's danpilla.com. Let's start solving your tax problem right now. USA News. I'm Ryan Daniels. A landmark Department of Justice report is released into the failings of law enforcement officers who responded to the mass school shooting in Uvalde, Texas in 2022. Failures in leadership and tactics 
in communications, in training, and in preparedness. U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland speaking on the 600-page DOJ report that says the shooting could have been stopped sooner. 33 students and three of their teachers were trapped in a room with an active shooter for over an hour as law enforcement officials remained outside. An appeals court decision is a loss for Apple and anyone who ordered a new Apple Watch While the tech giant has achieved a workaround fix for an earlier U.S. International Trade Commission ban on Apple Watch products, the Alphabet company now has an appeals court ruling that upholds the ban. I'm Ryan Daniels, USA News. Bad theater seats, cheap Halloween masks, my apartment, all things with obstructed views. Add to these large trucks and buses. 18-wheelers and large buses have big blind spots, and like my apartment, they don't always have the best view. Bus and truck drivers deal with blind spots around the entire vehicle. Always take care not to ride alongside or too close behind them. Our roads, our responsibility. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. I need to pay my taxes. What are my payment options? The IRS has several options for paying your taxes. You can pay with IRS Direct Pay, a debit or credit card, or with an electronic funds withdrawal when you e-file your return. If you can't pay the full amount, consider paying over time with an online payment agreement or our Offer in Compromise program. Both tools are available on irs.gov. Go to irs.gov payment to find an option that is best suited for you. Wellness and self-care doesn't have to be complicated. So keep it simple and take good care of yourself with Sunny Bay Heating Pads. Our heating pads soothe pains in the neck, back, and shoulders while relaxing muscles and increasing blood circulation. Sunny Bay Heating Pads have always been made in the USA and hand-filled to perfection with the highest quality materials. Sunny Bay Heating Pads are the perfect wellness gift for loved ones or yourself. See all of our high-quality products at sunny-bay.com including heated body pads, neck pillows, heated neck and body wraps, and our stress-reducing lavender line. They're all affordable, durable, and in stock now and ready for immediate shipping direct from sunny-bay.com. Read our trusted, authentic, and real reviews at sunny-bay.com or just search for Sunny Bay Heating Pad. To your good health and wellness from Sunny Bay. We still do email. Drop your email address in the entry box at freetalklive.com and you'll be kept in the loop with Free Talk Live. That's 603-283-6160. That's the phone number you can call to bring up whatever is on your mind. It's Free Talk Live. And with you in the studio tonight, you've got me, Bonnie. And Jay Noon. And, and Mark Edge, remotely. Sorry, Mark. And I wanted to tell you that Free <laughs> How's Talk... How's my audio? It's good. I, I, it's good. Okay. I just talked over you for some reason. I don't know why. Okay. Um, Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. In addition to being one of the world's first cryptocurrencies, Dash was the first crypto project with a decentralized autonomous organization that to this day continues to improve and promote Dash. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month for this sponsorship. It's easy to get and use Dash. You can learn more at Dash.org. That's Dash.org. And... Before we went to break, we had Tim from Florida on the line. Tim, I just wanted to let you finish what you were saying. You want you had a point you wanted to make about Israel. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was saying that uh, not all Zionism is necessarily bad, but then there's something that I would call political Zionism, which is what we're currently seeing, uh, you know, with all the repercussions in Gaza. But what I wanted to say was, a lot of Greeks at one point converted to Judaism and Christianity, and uh, it was kind of a grab bag. And then eventually uh, something called the Khazars, which uh, I think Dave from New Mexico has talked about, uh, the Khazarian Mafia and all that. Um, But basically you have the Slavs in Europe, a large portion of which were Jews, that got driven out into Germany. And then so later, like in the mid 
you know, the mid-1800s, they were living in Germany, and they were talking about, oh, we need to, we need to have our own homeland. And then other Jews were like, no, that's, that's against prophecy. And, and so there was a big debate. And uh, the ones that, that were into it, uh, you know, eventually it did become the state of Israel. But the way it started was actually voluntarily private individuals from Europe, they would buy public land from the Ottoman Empire. And, and that's how they got a foothold uh, there to begin with. So it actually started back in the 1850s, uh, long before uh, people think 1947 was hmm. the beginning. But, but that was just the Balfour Declaration. But up until that point... But that was probably I, like I just, the beginning of the state, right? So 1947 is the beginning right. of the state, but before that was just voluntary movement. And that sounds like the it, way it should have continued to go. It's like... Right. Well, um, one of the things that I think about this is that I'm not generally terribly happy with the rulers of any particular country. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no country where I'm like, oh, boy, I like those guys. Um, So, you know, I I think Israel's unique in so much as this an ethnostate. Not to say that uh, China isn't. Um, There's, you know, more than one ethnostate out there. Um, But I guess it doesn't really matter when... Um, like who legitimately is Israel, right? Like Israel, there's uh, Islamic Israel, Israeli citizens. There's Jewish Israeli Anybody citizens. Anybody that wants to be a Jew, anybody that wants to be a Jew and can convert and move to Israel can get land. Uh, but the point I'm trying to make is, is there are Muslim Jew, uh, Israelis and Christian. There's lots of them. And they're having lots of kids, mind yeah. you. So they're becoming a larger and larger voting block all the time. Um. Thank you for the call, Tim. I just Israel uh, is also a well an American welfare state. Yeah, they get like fifteen billion dollars a year. Was like one of the last numbers I've heard in you know foreign aid from the United States. And that's the yeah. thing about it. It's like I just don't like that it's a state. It's like it's nothing against any kind of people. It's the one country that if you talk bad about the state, even some libertarians get butt hurt because they think you're just talking about the people. And it's like. Most right. likely, those people there aren't even, like, your people. Like, I thought I was a Jew most of my life. And guess what? I'm just a Ukrainian whose ancestors probably cons- converted to a Jew. Like, it's like none of my ans- like fa- family are in Israel right now just because most of my life I thought I was a Jew. And I think that, like, I, I 100% agree. It, you know, just because you disagree with the policies of the state of Israel does not make you anti-Semitic. And anybody who says that is taking a shortcut to winning the argument and is not into being intellectually honest. It's mm-hmm. just a, it's a, it's a big fat lie is yeah. all that is. Yeah. However, um, you know, like, I can totally see if there was a group of people that lived nearby to my house that were shooting missiles over a wall trying to harm me and my family, if they kidnapped a family member, if they did a variety of things, I would be pretty darned angry. And I would also not have a single problem with using violence against those people. And this is where we get into a difficult... Their neighbors and their family members who weren't involved the in the entire right? neighborhood the one person lived in. And that, that's, what, that's more like what we're talking about. Than, I know, but this is a war, and wars are ugly. And, and that's not an excuse. Like, that's, that's what me and Richie... Not Richie Rich. Me and someone recently, and I can't remember who now, we're talking about people always say, well, that's war. That, that's an excuse. Well, it, it may be to other people. It isn't to me. Here's what I would do in the circumstances if over and over for generations people were willing to die in order to take my land from me. I would move. I'd sell it <laughs> and I'd leave. And, but now the, the, now we're getting to the point where uh, you know I sort of go back into history and say if only the United States, if only the Roosevelt FDR administration – if only Americans at the time hadn't been such bigots. Right. If they right. had just taken, and this is, uh, and I'll, I'll take this and I'll apply it to today. But if um, the United States had simply said, every Jew that feels like they're in danger in Europe in 1938 or whatever, you're welcome to, you know, give us your poor, give us your, uh, you know, weary, give us your unwashed masses. Come on to the United States. And right I, now, we would be the seat of technological innovation. I was innovation about to say that instead of Israel. Like, all the, all the numbers tell us that 
those people have one of the highest IQs and should be doing nothing but being productive people. I just don't understand it. I don't understand why somebody told me that the hate for Jews had to do with the a large group of Jews started banks in Europe. And that's why the Europeans hated the Jews so much. But it's like, why did the Americans hate them? It's like, I don't know. Well, you love such things too. People have hated the Jews for hundreds of years. There's always these pogroms. There's always things going on. And basically it comes down to they're different than us. And I don't know what's going on over there. And they're exclusive. This is another thing is Jews tend to be exclusive. They want their kids to marry Jews, just like everybody else is in this world, except for Americans who are oh. like, oh, that'd be racist to say something like that. But everybody else in the world says, why don't you marry somebody like us? And so they try to you know, pressure their kids into, into that sort of thing. So, you know, uh, there, there's always going to be tensions between different cultures. And I don't see a particular reason for it, but that's just what happens. So I want to apply this today. Currently, the United States... Um, you know, what, what I'm hearing in the U.S. Is, is that people believe that the United States is going to go to war with China over Taiwan. Now, before this happens, why not issue a blanket uh, statement that says anybody in Taiwan that feels like they're in danger and that they, um, you know, they want a place to be, why don't you come over to the United States? As a matter of fact, let's move that silicon production uh, factory that, here to the United States. We'll give you citizenship and you can work here. But, you know, for whatever reason, that idea doesn't seem to be selling. Well, but yeah, they, I think we take productive, intelligent people and bring them to the U.S. We the, should do it over and over. The current administration, the establishment, you know, that uh, the deep state doesn't want, you know, good, hardworking, you know, um, skilled, uh, you know, people coming here to this country. They want career welfare recipients come into this country. Uh, they want people coming here with an I- I- ideology that, oh, I'll just go there and get paid. Mm. And then, I mean, there's a lot of, like, horrible things going on in, like, you know, um, the U.K. and, and, and uh, England with just gangs of, you know, these African migrants just, like, beating, you know, the single white dude up. And, I heard like, about this in um, Ireland. There was a bunch of women that were stabbed just a few months ago. Yep. And um, it By just... an Albanian uh, refugee. Albanian, I be- or what was it? Um, I'm sorry, Nigerian refugee, maybe. Yeah, I could have and had it's that just, wrong. it's just like there are definitely ways to. I don't know. I just think that levels of consciousness could be measured, and I've talked about this before. And you could let people in who are not third world. Okay, do they hate dogs? Don't let them in. Third world. But it looks like we have a caller, Justin in New Hampshire. Justin, what's on your mind? Hi, good evening, everybody. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm going to be a sheriff's candidate. I'm a 10-year law enforcement veteran, and I watched uh, some of the testimony today from the public safety and uh, law enforcement hearing, and I want to talk about that. I want to talk In about New Hampshire? Yeah, New Hampshire. I'll be Carroll County. Yeah, Justin, I was actually uh, in the state house today. Um, I testified on uh, uh, various bills. And I actually met a sheriff uh, named William Wright from Belknap. Um, and he was a pretty interesting fellow to talk to. Sounded like uh, he was very much about the Constitution. He said that he said as the elected official that he doesn't have any qualified immunity. He says when one of his guys does something wrong or bad, that he is t- is held personally liable. Um, and uh, he testified uh, against a bill that I'm trying to think of a representative's name who introduced the bill. Basically, it was a bill allowing a um, deputy, a, a sheriff to deputize basically anyone in a time of like some kind of emergency. Uh-oh, emergency powers. Well, so, so uh, after hearing, you know, this sheriff talk, you know, he's like, well, we got to vet people. You know, they have to have a, um, you know, they, they have to have like a mental health screening. They have to have, you know, this, that, and the other thing he was basically saying about, you know, when it, when it comes to people. And then he started talking about the liability. But, you know, I was thinking, you know, well, what if a sheriff got into power and all of a sudden there's an emergency and he's got essentially, you know, a bunch of BLM Antifa types, uh, you know, that are, you know, all set and ready to be uh, deputized. You know, was kind of my thought on that particular thing. But uh doesn't seem likely in New Hampshire. <laughs> right, right, right. I, I, it doesn't seem likely in New Hampshire that any of this, you know, 
terrorist that these terrorist groups like PLM or Antifa would really get anywhere because you know almost everyone a very large percent of the people in New Hampshire are just carrying. So New Hampshire is a you know the kind of state where you're not going to really get away with very very inappropriate behavior such as violence before somebody you know draws on you. Also, um, one of these, th- this, this whole deputization thing is valuable in so much as people like Derek Jay, who's the former co-host here on Free Talk Live, Ian Freeman, who's one of the founding co-hosts here on Free Talk Live, have been denied just out of hand by mm-hmm. the sheriffs and uh, law enforcement in their particular counties for carrying firearms. I they believe just couldn't it was do it. the chief of police that denied them, not the actual sheriff. Whatever the, they can't the situation do because it's it's a shall issue state now. It used to be a may issue state. And I, I, I don't know the specifics, that. but I can tell you that um, that there are that the sheriff could deputize somebody, and that would override any of the legal ramifications. As I understand it, this is not legal advice. Um, but if they if one gets deputized, that you can carry a gun no matter what your legal status. So, Justin, which um, hearing did you go to the state house for? I didn't actually uh, travel to there, and if you folks give me a minute to run with this, I have a great plan that I actually wanted to implement before I even heard of this, and it ties in with taxes uh, and exactly what you folks are talking about, where I, like I said, I'm a 10-year veteran of law enforcement. I did seven years in Rochester, three years in Pittsfield. I have a lot of experience within that 10 years and that's driven me to want to be a constitutional sheriff. Now, the retirement, ish, retirement system is why I left, because it's not a viable retirement system, and that ties into kind of what we're talking about. We'll come back to that. But I saw the real need for constitutional sheriffs, and Mike Belcher is actually my rep here in Wakefield and put forth a couple of those things, and he's an awesome guy. Um, I was with him campaigning last year. And he understands, you know, where things are going and what's going to be needed. So before I even introduce this, one of the reasons I wanted to be a sheriff specifically is to enforce the Constitution, limit some of the federal stuff that he was talking about, because I don't think it's out of hand currently, but I'd like to prevent it, because thankfully we are a state that has a high firearms rate. We have a very low violent crime rate, and I'd like to keep that low. And part of that would be having a low-cost quality auxiliary force where you do hold people to a standard. They're going to have to understand the Constitution. They're going to have to display competency with any of their weapon systems, the laws that will apply to anything that they would do even in an emergency situation. And I understand the apprehension of having, I guess, executive powers, but it would be the type of thing where, you will sign a document saying that you understand all of the things you need to do, and if you act outside of that, you will be held to a higher standard than the public. And if people are willing to do that and display competency, it's a great way to have a low-cost, high-yield type of situation, even if it's not Antifa. It could be flooding. It could be a really bad winter storm where it knocks the power out. It could be something that's outside of a civil war situation, but can still provide a very low cost benefit where we also have a number of people in our communities that are vested and can learn and get education. It in theory should provide a better result for a lot less money. Well, one thing I got to ask is what's the difference between this and just armed citizens? We already have that. Well, I'm in support of that anyways. I mean, I was happy to see that it's a constitutional carry state now. Um, And yes, police chiefs, if they were vindictive before that was passed, you know, if they didn't like you, whether it was right, wrong, or indifferent, they could deny you a pistol carry license, which I disagreed with. Um, I mean, throughout my career, I've been very thankful to work with very professional people. But you hear stories, you see things. I've seen many things in court where... You know, corruption exists, obviously. I'm sure that you folks are intelligent enough to know that and have seen it or heard stories. Yep. Been a and that's what ties me with the whole, um, you know, he also introduced something that I helped, you know, helped him with to propose is changing the language of resisting arrest to remove 
the fact that it doesn't have to be a lawful arrest or not. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that even early in my career, you know, I'm very proud to grow up here, had a great life, was very, you know, green, motivated, loved to be part of the law enforcement community. And when I started learning the law, I read that statute and was like, well, we shouldn't really be able to illegally arrest people. And ironically enough, one of the people that were testifying against that bill uh, was a police chief, and he said the quiet part out loud. Because the reason I wanted to propose this is the fact that this type of charge is not always misused, and I won't even say it's mostly misused, but it's something that's used as leverage in the courts where you cannot commit a crime, then if you resist because you're obviously confident you didn't commit a crime, yes. then the class A misdemeanor can be leveraged against you during prosecution. This happened to our friend. That couldn't even get to that level. This happened to a person, a uh, caller, uh, sometimes is a caller named Footloose. He got found not guilty, well, at least, yeah, not guilty, on all of his charges except the... Resisting, resisting arrest. arrest. Yep. So they basically admitted, "Oh, so you weren't supposed to have gotten arrested." Well, you were. You resisted arrest. So yeah, resisting arrest should be a lesser included charge, and it shouldn't be able to stick if the arrest itself isn't legitimate. I mean, it seems to me that should be written right into the statute. Sounds like a great idea. Yeah. So this it, is, and it's the common sense type of situation where I have had many cases. I've never abused this ever because I've been very constitutionally focused. But even places, people in places I've worked, you know, this gets used as a leverage charge, ties you up in court. Your average person, it's not a small thing to be arrested. You know, we can't discount the impact that that has. Going to court means you got to take time off from work and can have a financial impact to it. Where a lot of the people that were testifying against this kind of threw the old, you know, we need to make sure law enforcement's protected. We can't have more dangerous situations, which, which is nonsense. Okay. I've, I've affected personally thousands of arrests because I worked in Rochester. I averaged a hundred a year of my own and assisted on at least a hundred to 200 of other people's. Like I understand this. And these people are not putting the effort talking about bail reform, which puts more often dangerous people on the street four, five, six different times that amplifies your level of danger when you have to rearrest them. They're not putting the effort into that, but they're concerned about potential quote vigilante justice on this bill. And ironically enough, you know, the one of the attorneys that spoke during this, I've had cases with, and they have no problem pleading cases down that actually are serious because they don't want to go to trial mm. to minimal crimes. So if they're putting the effort into this, arguing for this, saying it's dangerous, in reality, this is just a check of power, where if you're going to arrest someone or detain them, which is a physical use of force, you're just making sure that the officer is informed at the time of this detention or arrest and that they will not do it if they know it's not lawful because they will not be able to charge you at any time. I was in that committee room today. I testified for that bill. And part of... Uh, now, you, you said you weren't in the committee. Did you watch the live stream? Yeah, essentially someone sent it to me. I actually saw you in there and recognized your voice. I was listening to it at work. Okay. And that's what prompted me calling in tonight. So I, it kind of just worked out. Yeah, nice. So uh, earlier I went there to testify on a bill, ten twelve. 12 That's um, to basically to um, change the existing child uh, endangering the welfare of a child uh, statute to uh, make it include that there must be an injury or harm to the child in order to be charged with this because this charge is basically a, just like the resisting arrest charge. And I testified that in two, you know 20 years ago, 2003, I got arrested uh, for a couple different charges, but everything was dismissed pretty quickly except for the charge of resisting arrest. And they kept going with that. And then there, there was actually surveillance footage of, of, of the arrest. That it took me a long time to get. And in fact, I had to have a friend literally steal it, this, uh, this footage, because uh, the uh, particular gas station was um, 
like uh, sort of being complicit and being like, oh, it doesn't exist. And I found a, a guy who <laughs> worked for the gas station in a different place, and he's like, oh, I'll get that for you. And he got it. And uh, anyways, it just showed me just as soon as they said I was under arrest, I just put my hands behind my back, and they put handcuffs on me. There was no resisting whatsoever. But there was about 25 minutes of me exerting my rights. Oh, if I give you that information or if I give you that document, are you going to use it against me? And the cop's like, yes, I'm conducting an investigation. So I said, okay, I'm going to exercise my constitutionally secured rights not to incriminate myself. I'm not giving you anything. I'm not telling you anything. And uh, leave me alone. Uh, but anyways, <clears throat> getting back to uh, Mike Belcher's bill, and uh, uh, the, um, the the thing that I wanted to really – I stressed to the committee was – this causes liability directly and indirectly for uh, people. The, the, the direct liability is these people who are just getting arrested for, and they're getting for, for basically because they've just upset the cop, which happens a lot. Like, you know, uh, if these guys have the if, poli- if people have the ability of getting upset easily and easily being triggered, they should not be police officers. Uh, they should have you should have to have the patience of an oyster to be a police officer as far as I'm concerned. So trust me, I've exercised it. Yep. Uh, well, I grew up training horses. So that's some uh, that's one thing I've really developed my patience. Uh, so anyways, um, and that so the liability is is now on this this poor guy that's, you know, got this you know, um, resisting arrest charge or child endangerment charge, which, you know, it's like very vague, the definition of these uh, statutes. And uh, they just, you know, they just, you know, use this when they got nothing else, you know, to use against you. And also the indirect liability to the taxpayers is when you get basically arrested and charged for these statutes that are essentially uh, unconstitutional because there is no injury or harm to anybody no one's legal rights are are um you know have been uh you know violated when you get to the actual judicial court superior court circuit court are not part of judiciary they are legislative tribunals Uh, but when you get to the supreme court the supreme court throws this stuff out if there's no victim if there's no one's rights have been uh injured and then you have a massive tort claim against the police and the state and that cost the taxpayers millions of dollars 603-283-6160 more is coming up it's free talk live you can call in with whatever is on your mind don't go anywhere It's obvious the unthinkable continues. Most Americans know something very wrong is happening. People in charge keep telling you that everything's fine and to stop noticing. But you know better. That's why self-reliant folks are investing in emergency food storage. And you should, too. My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, are the ones you can trust. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $200 on each three-month food kit you purchase. My Patriot Supply also sells solar generators, gravity-powered water filters, off-grid room heaters for when the power goes out, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your items ship that same day and arrive quickly on your doorstep in unmarked boxes. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com today. Time is running out to prepare for what's coming. MyPatriotSupply.com Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood, which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit ShopSuperTea.com. The first word is shop, spelled S-H-O-P, then the word super, and then the word tea. The complete website is ShopSuperTea.com, or call us at 818-984-6100, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-984-6100, ShopSuperTea.com. 